It's like playing Madden, like, but in Madden. Wingstop, 20-piece. See, he drums only. This team on flats. Stafford's been the best quarterback I've played with. Um, the guy can flat out play. I can always do work, bro. I can always do work. Y'all know what I am. Round six, pick 200. I can always get work. All right, Backdoach boys are back at it in this quarantine. Getting in some post-draft podcasts here in May. Uh, just ran, so I'm sweating bullets a little bit. Hopefully that'll that'll calm down throughout throughout the show. I'm gonna be, uh, you know, there's all those all those compilations out there of newscasters. What was that one like soccer announcer or something that was just sweating profusely through his shirt like throughout the game? Wasn't that a, a viral video a couple years back? You're asking the wrong brothers. I don't know. I've just been watching the last yeah, dance. Know. I've been catching up because now that they're all out, I'm trying to binge them. And, oh, uh, you've been watching them? Yeah, so watch yeah. Them? It's remind, you just reminded me a little bit of the Doug Collins thing, how he's just like sweating like he played in the game, you know, when he was. Yeah. <laughs> I just love coaches like that, where they're just sweating through a bunch of layers. But let's, let's give a quick shout out to Slim Clep. Quick shout out to Slim Clep, hey, and that boy's still shout working. Out Slim Clep. I, I can fit through a gate. I can fit through a gate at Seattle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Lopas was surprised. Lopas was surprised that it fit through. Never hey. shocks me. Come up to that Seattle track. That boy's there. He lives That's because Clep, Clep, Clep's not trying to post on stories. He goes and he does his work. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to do mirror shots at the gym. He doesn't. He doesn't need to let everyone know he's working. Oh God! All right. Well, we're doing NFC NFC team totals here, over unders. Excited to get after it using the always trusty Bavada.lv. Uh, can't wait for. Uh, just online betting to be legalized on my phone so I can lose a bunch of money that way instead of just shipping it overseas and never seeing it again. Big facts. Yep. Big facts. Yep. Uh, so I guess we could start off with the, the Arizona Cardinals. And they're a team sitting right here at, at 7.5 is their total. Not much of a disparity on the, on the line there with the juice. Uh, both 110 for the over, 120 for the under. That is minus, of course. Um, and I think all three of us, I mean, Tommy and Lee, if you go back to last year's pods, were definitely um, maybe a little early adopters of the Cardinals, perhaps. You know, they were on the train, but maybe a little bit, you know, too not too early, but just before maybe they could take that next step. Premature. Obviously, rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. Yeah, somewhat of a, of a premature juice, but, but you saw the future coming, and, and this is a season where the Cardinals – uh, after a strong draft where you know they got one of the best defensive players in the draft in Isaiah Simmons, you use your second-round pick to get New Hopkins to get an extra weapon, and then your third-round pick ends up being Josh Jones, a, a very solid tackle from Houston that hopefully can just, you know, it will be, you know, not without his growing pains, but you can start him uh, consistently this year. And all of a sudden, this is a team that is potentially, you know, threatening for a, for a wild-card spot. The I don't know where I'm quite at with this over and under. I gotta you know hear what you guys think about it. The thing that would stop me maybe from hitting the over so much would be just their division. Absolutely, Clap. And if Tommy, if you don't mind me kind of taking the reins here, just because I really kind of was uh, Tommy and I recorded our AFC episode together, and I was very kind of pessimistic about a lot of teams. I was kind of leaning under, which is not usually something that I do. I'm, I'm usually more of an overs guy and and, and more optimistic. And I'm going to pick up where I left off last season with the Arizona Cardinals in terms of I, even me last year couldn't have imagined that this team would be as good as they are this year, at least on paper, shaping up 
uh, for the 2020 season. And um, I think Kyler Murray proved last year, you know, why we were so high on him. Obviously, there's more work still to be done and more games to play. But the way this roster is shaping up, like, like I said, I'm about as convinced um, on this over-under, on this over, as, as you possibly can be at this time of year. I think I would genuinely consider, had, had this not been an overseas Bavada book, uh, if this was Foxbet, I think I'd put, you know, 50 bucks down right now or maybe even 100 bucks down right now on this one because I truly believe that the Arizona Cardinals are, are going to have a horse in the race come, come playoff time. Um, and I, I'll die on that hill this year. Yeah, Lee, uh, I'm lockstep with you. And I think, uh, what, Clep, what you brought up with the division, the competition of the division, that I think is kind of the only thing in my mind that the only reasonable – uh, you know, the only reason to fade this this team right now, I just think the way that they grew throughout the year, the emergence of Kenyon Drake, what he kind of does for that offense, and now having a full year with him, getting new Hopkins like we thought, who just, I mean, the receiving, the receiving core wasn't awful last year. Um, you know, I think a lot of their, that scheme kind of, you can, you can produce, um, you can get production from the scheme for that, but, but getting a truly elite receiver like that to help out Kyler Murray, and he's a guy who they didn't really have. I mean, Fitz is still great, but they didn't have a guy who can just j- kind of go up and get it on a lot of those deep balls that Kyler was throwing last year. And, I mean, he's a dude who throws with a lot of precision and accuracy. So I just see all the potential in the world for this offense. The offensive line does need, indeed need to get better, but I like what Klepp said about Josh Jones. There probably will be some growing pains, but I expect him to kind of slot in at right tackle from uh, from day one. And then the defense, I think there's some reasonable concern, but they did some nice patchwork. And then obviously bringing in Isaiah Simmons. So if this defense can kind of – be kind of what the Chiefs defense was two years ago with Mahomes and just one of those defenses that can kind of keep you in games and, and let, I mean, the offense, I think, for Arizona is going to be the driving force. So I'm buying the Cardinals once again this year, and I will go over uh, seven and a half because I think this the floor for this team is kind of the third team in this division. I think they're better than the Rams, and I think they they can be better than the Seahawks too, and they're going up with that fourth-place schedule too. So This is I a nine-win football team to me. This is a nine. Yeah. I, I would even put that in the prophecy right now. I think this team gets nine wins this year. I'm very convinced of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in on on this over as well. And obviously, they play the NFC West, but they get the advantage of playing the AFC East mm-hmm. and the NFC East. So I mean, that you're getting, you know, games against the Giants and Redskins. You're getting games against the the Dolphins and and the Jets and the Patriots. And you know, even you know, the Bills are no, you know, I mean, the Bills aren't necessarily a lot to do you know, great things this year. And I guess Lee, if I if I could put you on the spot here for for a second, all right, week three, and I mean we're gonna get into these two teams later on, but weeks three and four, okay, you got the Lions coming into Arizona, and then you got the Cardinals flying out to Carolina, weeks three and four. Where do you see? I mean, what do you what do you think about those two games? Because the Lions and Panthers are are teams that you're pretty high on in terms of the NFC. So are you? If you yeah, even maybe just say power rank these three right now, where would you be at? Cardinals, Lions, Panthers. Okay. I think the yeah. Cardinals' absolute floor in this situation is one and one. There is a zero percent chance they lose both these games, in my opinion. And I think it, it, the way I'm looking at it, they should win both of them. But I realistically think this is a one and one scenario with a two and zero oh being more realistic than zero oh and two. Um, and I would rank the the Cardinals first out of these three teams because surely because of the firepower they have on offense and the fact that they supplemented their defense with Isaiah Simmons. Like, I'm not that concerned about the offensive line because they improved it somewhat 
and they also their their offense from a weapon standpoint is so much more dynamic that that has to stand for something in terms of how their offense was already pretty explosive last year. Um, I think that they're going to really be whipping it around this year, and they're going to be a really tough team to beat. Uh, the Lions going to the toaster week three. I mean, the tie ball game <laughs> last year. I, I, yep. That's going to be a yeah. fun game. It's going to be a really fun game, but uh, I think the card, that's the Cardinals game to lose. I mean, when you kind of look at their schedule just at a glance, I mean, they open up against the Niners. That'll be tough. But then Redskins, Lions, Panthers, Jets, Cowboys, Seahawks, Dolphins. I mean, I just think right there, I mean, obviously, you know, there's some competitive teams in there. But I think this Cardinals team uh, is just going to be hard for, you know, even the, the elite of the elites to deal with. I mean, we saw what they were able to do against the Ravens last year. They stuck around and they were able to put up points. And I think it's just kind of building on that and, you know, getting better in the red zone. But I mean, yeah, this is something that I, I definitely want to bet on as a seven and a half, and I think minus one ten for that being, you know, the slight, uh, the 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 slight not not chalk. Um, I just think that's good value because um, I just think this is this is kind of shaping up for a year for them to be uh, on the up and up. Let's go to the Falcons, who were were my baby last year, um, but uh, unfortunately the things have gone a little bit south for them just in in terms of the division getting a little bit stronger around them. And in the offseason, and I don't know if the Falcons necessarily made uh, big, big strides. I, I like drafting uh, A.J. Terrell. thought that was a, a really good pick for them. But ultimately, rookie corner, not sure how much that helps you, uh, you know, in a first-year scenario. Um, so just looking at 2020, this over is – or oh, the, the line is at 7.5, just like the Cardinals was. And basically just because of, of the Bucks getting stronger, I think the Saints are still going to be a really good team. I still think – and I think the, the Panthers are, are you know stronger than they were last year with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback now. Uh, I'm just going to have to go with, with the under in this situation, having six games against those teams. And overall, this was a team that really struggled last year, and I'm kind of starting to sell on Dan Quinn as a head coach. So uh, overall, I'm going to hit under here with the Falcons. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Clep. I'm on the under here. I just uh... – Never been a huge Matt Ryan fan. I think this is a team that has missed their window. They've aged a little bit. Um, they've got some wep- some new weapons on their offense, but I'm not necessarily certain what Todd Gurley's health situation is like. And you just me- mentioned the Panthers when we were talking about the Cardinals. I mean, I-, I like the Carolina Panthers this year, and the two other teams in this division are led by Drew Brees and Tom Brady. So um, I'm not necessarily considering the Falcons to be uh, – a threat uh, for for the playoff conversation this year. That all being said, um, this is a team that I, I do want to acknowledge. They still do have talent, and if Matt Ryan can shut me up, and and you know, kind of in a similar air to Matt Stafford, I think a guy who was a top pick in the draft, and I think Ryan was too, but um, you know, never really passed that. Obviously, the twenty-eight to three lead and all that never really has cemented himself as an elite quarterback. Um, but the whole fan base is behind him. So, you know, I, I think that it'd be stupid to, to completely rule them out. But the way I'm looking at this, I think this is an under. Yeah, uh, sucks for the Falcons because I was I was buying them last year, too. You know, I, I think we all were kind of higher on the Falcons. but We were on the overnight bus. Oh, yeah, we, I brought everybody board. We all were. And I think uh, last year taught us one thing, and that's that Kyle Shanahan is a hell of a coaching talent. And I think a lot of uh, what the Falcons were able to do in that Super Bowl year, you, I think you can kind of contribute to him in that offense. And Matt Ryan, I mean, is – is a really good quarterback, and and I kind of want to. I'm I'm leaning under. This is probably a stay away for me. I just kind of 
don't really know what to think because this Falcons team was so awful to start off the year last year, and then they started. They beat the 49ers last year. They started to rattle off wins at the end, and they showed that you know they have they can give you problems on offense, and then if their defense, you know, that's Dan Quinn's calling card. If they can kind of keep them in games, they're kind of a tough out. But I completely agree with all what you guys said. Um, you know, the Panthers. They're kind of in that that bottom tier with the Panthers and the Bucks and the Saints are kind of the the upper echelon of the division. So did they retain uh, Dirk Cutter as their offensive coordinator? Do you guys know? Did they keep him around? I know last year. I can was, I, yeah. check I, I can check quick. the depth chart real quick. Because I'm just. Yep, they did. Yeah, so they still got him. I mean, I don't know. They got their whole f- offense as former first round picks. So that's kind of an interesting. I mean, and they need Caleb McGarry to step up a little bit. I mean, he mm-hmm. was a guy last year who they drafted in the first round. And, you know, obviously Lee and I, every offensive tackle before, you know, Cody Ford, we thought was pretty much a mistake. Yep. But uh, that, was, that was kind of a pick where it's like, all right, he's your guy. You traded back up in the first round to get him. But um, was a dude who came in with question marks and just was, I think, you know, gave up some of the most pressures or sacks last year and did not really have a good good rookie season. So, I mean, he's a dude that you need to step up. Uh, along that offensive line, because on paper it looks good. You got a lot of first round picks. You got Alex Mack, who's a veteran at center, but uh, you know ultimately they, they they just need a little bit more from from a lot of their guys that have under underperformed. You know, Tack McKinley too, another guy that didn't pick up his option. Yeah. Um, you know, so they're they're lacking a little bit of pass rush, other than you know Grady Jarrett from the interior. I, you bring in Dante Fowler, but he's just kind of a guy who bounces around. I mean, I guess he's. Above average, but who they draft? Who they draft in the second yeah, round? I'm, just, I'm having a complete brain fart. Marlon Davidson yeah. from from okay. Auburn. So they got yeah. Terrell and but, Davidson. I mean, he was he's more of a power guy who yeah. who they may even you know I mean he was a guy to me that didn't look on film like he could play on the edge in yeah. the NFL. Yeah. So um, it it'll be interesting to see. And I guess one quick note before we move off of the Falcons about just overnight buses in, in general and in, in my experience. Uh, I was wa- I was watching a Top Gear special, uh, and they were in Bolivia on something called the Death Road in Bolivia, and they're they're in these cars, and these Bolivian bus drivers are flying by them, you know, like maniacs down the Death Road with cliffs next next to them, and I really think I got to get me a ticket on one of them. Oh, I got I got to get back oh, out there. Oh man. I got to get back out there in the, in the hills of Bolivia and, think, and really think about some NFL. Because obviously, uh, obviously an overnight trip in Vietnam just wasn't enough to, uh, <laughs> to percolate yeah, the mind. Exactly. I do want to add on, on the Falcons, um, what is, like, the, we saw the Rams running back situation behind Gurley last year. Obviously the cat is out of the bag with his, his health issues. They do not have a, the Falcons do not have a rotation of running backs that convinces me that this team can you know. be... Yeah, I mean, Ito Smith is their backup Ito running back. Ito plays hard. I like but, Ito. I mean, to me, Ito is like a Tariq Cohen type player. You know, I mean, it's yeah. just not, yeah, there's not much behind there. Yeah. You know, you're right. Well, like, I mean, when you look, I think, you know, Austin Hooper. I guess maybe they're like, let's just run him into the dirt. Yeah. That's what I think. That's like what Todd I think. Yeah. They, like, didn't, <laughs> they didn't draft anyone. I think they're kind of, they paid them their one year deal for him. They kind of, that's what they should be doing, I think. I'm, I'm not really concerned as much about the running backs. I mean, I think the passing attack, what they're going to be able to do, um, it just kind of comes down to this defense. This defense was awful last year, and I don't really see them getting that much better. But, I mean, I think we can all agree. Like, what's the absolute ceiling for this team? Eight wins, you think, or nine? It, you know? Hey, yeah. maybe just put Danny Etling back there in the backfield. Kid's an athlete. Let him run around a little bit. Throw some pitches to him. Danny Etling. 
Uh, Lee, do you want to do you want to take us through the Panthers here at five and a half? I mean, this was kind of our baby. Yeah, this was our baby. This is. Um yeah, I'm not surprised it's at minus 130 on the over here at 5.5 for the Carolina Panthers, a uh, team that only drafted defensive players, completely reshaped their defense. Um, I agreed with the top half of their draft, probably the top first three rounds of the draft more than any other team in, in the league, and I think that this is a Panthers team that maybe not going to be competing for uh, a Super Bowl this year, but I think they're going to be a tough out week in and week out. I'm a, I'm a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. Um, I'm not the hugest Matt Rule fan, but I think the gears are turning there in Carolina, and they're kind of trying Joe to... Joe Brady, though, comes in. I mean, he had a ton of success at LSU, yeah. so... Yeah, exactly. Well, you got Joe Brady, and uh, you signed Robbie Anderson. You got DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. You got weapons on offense. You obviously have the best running back in the NFL, arguably. So I think that this is a team where Christian McCaffrey, who I just mentioned, He's got a certain window, and I know the guy's a freak. He's a superhuman, and the window's going to be bigger than most running backs. But still, you want to take advantage of these young years where this guy's dominating the league in the way that he is and really try to turn those into playoff wins in, in, in Super Bowl contending years. So I don't think there's a massive rush in Carolina, but I think this is not a team that I'm willing to rule out. And the line at 5.5, I think this is a 7-8 seven, seven or eight win team, honestly. So... Um, six at the very least. So this isn't over for and me. Lee, Lee, do you think if uh, do you think if they had do you think if they had uh, drafted Cody Ford that this would be six and a half? <laughs> I don't know. They drafted Brian Burns. Took Brian Burns in that first round. <laughs> give me give me Ford F two fifty. Hey, they, they, they picked Greg Greg Little over yeah, Cody they Ford. Did, yeah, they did. They did. They did. Shame on me for uh, Greg Little. Jeez, no, they, what a, they they probably Let, would. Probably be I eight may, and a half. If I can, if I can be the Carolina contrarian here, um, I do. I mean, it's. I think I would probably lean for the over too, but I do kind of have questions about. You know, there's Teddy Bridgewater. I think is going to be able to stabilize this offense, and they they do have all the weapons that you guys mentioned. I mean, you can make an argument that they have. They're they're an Ian Thomas breakout season away from arguably having like the best offensive arsenal arguably in the NFL. But I do worry about their their defense was just so awful last year. They couldn't stop the run. Obviously, Derek Brown should do a lot in that and helping that. And, you know, Yeter and uh, Jeremy Chen, some of the guys that they brought in. I just, you know. Who needs Luke Keekley when you got big top? So it's, uh, I mean. Yeah, they, they did lose Keekley, which is huge. But uh, the, I just have. Tahir's going to step in. Don't worry about it. I, I, I do lean to the over, but um, I think that they, you know, I'm not, I don't want to say this team is tanking, but I do think that they are trying to build for the future. And I, um, I just don't know, you know, is Teddy, what is, I think he stabilizes them, but I just don't know if he's going to be able to reach the upside that they, they could potentially with a more dynamic quarterback with these weapons. You show me a tanking NFL team and I'll show you a fool. None of these teams are tanking. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying they're tanking. I'm saying they're. They're going to try and be competitive. But I mean, I. A lot of it's just going to hinge on how much better their defense is from last year with all these rookies in a short and off season rookie rookie head coach who I like a lot. Um, and I Teddy agree. Bridgewater, who you know, they were beating Jacksonville with him nine six last year with New Orleans. Like he's a guy who is is very conservative and should try and other not games turn the ball happened over. as well. They also went what five and one with him. So no, they, what does that they, mean? They, they, but he's a, he was on a much better team, I think. I think this Carolina team is, is on the opposite end of the spectrum uh, compared to that uh, New Orleans team, especially when it comes to the defense. Uh, I mean, I think what Klepp brought out about Joe Brady, that's just going to be a huge part of it. Uh, how much is, you know, what, what is the effect that he's going to have on the offense overall? Um, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, yeah and I mean, the secondary, too, uh, definitely a concern. Uh, only adding Jeremy Chin, I mean, who is also somewhat of a projection. But, I mean, I know a guy that, that has a lot of potential, Who's but there? still, you know, played at a lower level. I mean, you still – and you and you lost James Bradbury, so who, who was a very solid corner, and you're expecting a, a lot from Dante Jackson. I was going to say, um, Corn Elder. Corn Elder is your number two corner right now. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So it's, well, they drafted yeah, Troy so Pryor, too. You know, I mean, I know he's probably fourth-round pick, but, I mean, there's going to be that's a competition true. of sorts happening, I think. Yep. Yep. So um, let's go on to the, to the Chicago Bears, which – their line is at eight and a half, and I think that I mean this under right now is at one minus one ninety. So you know you're not getting a lot back for for your for your money, but I I don't see I I can't feel good about picking this team to win nine games. No, this is I mean I I'd be shocked if this line is still at eight and a half come September. I would love if I wish you could buy. I mean I would buy seven and a half or six and a half to the under. I mean I think this is could be a six win team in Chicago this year. Um, I guess I, I can take it from there. I mean, I just think, you know, this defense is going to be good, but it's just going to be, can they, can they still continue to play hard? It's hard to play hard when your offense is just demoralizing you. And if Trubisky isn't the guy, it's going to come on to Nick Foles' shoulders. And we saw last year he was, you know, kind of electric, I guess, to start off against the Chiefs, then, tw- you know, broke his collarbone. And then when he came back, it was a complete uh, train wreck in Jacksonville. So he's reunited with Matt Nagy, and, I, you know, there's some familiarity there. But, I mean, just eight and a half, I, I would be shocked if this team got to nine wins this year. Yeah, but the, the whole Nick Foles move was just made no sense to me in terms of I, they, I, they have a bunch of money yeah. they have to pay him now too. And then you see guys like Cam Newton's is still out there. I mean, there's no way that Cam Newton is going to get more than $10 million at, at, for, on a contract at this point. A guy like Andy Dalton goes for what, one year? Seven. Seven mil? Yeah. I mean, Jameis like, was still I, out there, too. I, I, Jameis is still out there. I mean, you can't – there's no way that those three guys are, are worse well, than Nick Foles is. And I, f- I, I don't know. I just – I really don't think much of this team. I know – I mean, I knew – I know more about the Bears last year than I did about the Lions. Yeah. Uh, this was a team that – just overall, really underwhelmed. Matt Nagy had a horrible year, really bad year as a head coach. It was really kind of a, of a disaster. A lot of games where he made uh, confusing decisions, and overall, this defense didn't really care to play when the offense was was so bad. So this, uh, I just I can't see this is team going nine. The cliff seven. year. This is what we've been waiting for, boys. <laughs> This the is cl- the, yeah, the cliff year was well, almost I'm last year. The, yeah. the, the, the Trubisky cliff year was last year. This is the franchise yeah. cliff year. This is where we see it all come crumbling down, where we see the Nagy cliff year possibly. Well, and, and one year, $9 million for Jimmy Graham and, like, drafting Cole Komet. Like, yeah. So no, I didn't mean to cut you yeah, off there. Yeah, I'm just saying Nagy, it's a yeah. cliff year four. Ryan Pace, this could be a cliff year four. We could see the whole Trubisky drafting the trade for Trubisky and the Khalil Mack fleecing, quote-unquote, of, of John Gruden, that everyone was, you know, the whole thing could completely come crumbling down on top of them, and uh, I'm excited for it. I have no faith in this team. I think this is a team that um, doesn't, doesn't uh, scare me at all as a, as a competitor in this division, and I think they're going to be looking for other quarterback options possibly as soon as this upcoming draft next year. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, we can we can move on to, to Tommy's boys, the Dallas Cowboys. 
and they're sitting at nine and a half. And mm. this isn't this is an intriguing line, a very yeah, intriguing yeah. line because. I mean, the under is sitting at plus 130, and I think that's kind of where the value is in, in, in this uh, pick. But uh, the Cowboys, I don't know. I, I flip-flop on this team. It was a team before the draft that I was kind of low on, and I think that there's still a lot of holes here and there. But I, I liked uh, some of the players that they drafted, and I think you know surrounding a guy with Dak with talent is, is important. So adding a player like C.D. Lamb uh, is just in kind of extra uh, onto the offense. But again... You know, using a first-round pick on a wide receiver when you already have two pretty good ones there, you know, is that really what's going to put you over the top? I don't know. Um, it, some, you know, bad organizational decisions over the past years as well, just in terms of how they've handled contracts uh, and things of that nature. So um, just with the value, I would lean under 9.5 uh, than to go the over, but I don't think 10-6 is, is out of the question. Tommy, you want yeah, to go ahead? ahead? Yeah, no, well, I'll no. go ahead. I think uh, I think go this ahead. is I think this is a this is an underfeel for me. Um, just because the Cowboys had a really good draft doesn't mean that I think I'm all of a sudden going to be on the Cowboys train. Um, I love the direction they went in their draft. I thought the CD Lamb pick was questionable at the time that they made it, but they completely proved me wrong with what they did in the rest of the draft. I did not think at all that they would be getting the same amount of value that they got in the second, third, fourth, all the way through the end of the draft. Um, so I will tip my cap to them for that. But at the same time, I'm not convinced that Gerald McCoy and Dontari Poe's best days of football are ahead of them. And I do not – their interior defensive line doesn't fear me. The fact they got Neville Gallimore, I think that's a guy who could be a huge, huge player for them this year. But a guy that I really liked a lot. But still, I don't think you can put that much on his shoulders in his rookie season, um, uh, being the starting defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. And then – Obviously, they have great linebackers, but I think there are a lot of questions in the secondary. They lost their best player in the secondary in Byron Jones, and they're asking Chidobi Awuzie to step up. They're asking Xavier Woods to step up. There are a lot of question marks on this team's defense. Their offense gets it done. They got it done last year. Dak Prescott has had his best season statistically. I think CeeDee Lamb's going to open a lot of things up for their offense. I love Amari Cooper. I think this is going to be a competitive football team. But to me, uh, I've seen it with the Cowboys. I didn't love the Mike McCarthy hire. I just think this is a nine-win team. Sure, maybe they get ten wins and I'm wrong, but uh, this team doesn't fear me enough for this to be an overfield. And like you said, Clep, I just think the value lies on the under here with the Cowboys. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with you guys, Re, the value, um, just because I think that I think the lines, you know, this is a good line at nine and a half, but the fact that, you know, it's so juice on the under, uh, you know, it makes me, you know, I, I'm, I would probably lean to the over. I think that the Cowboys, I'm expecting them to be a 10-win team. I mean, I am a little bit hesitant with, you know, the short and off season and what that means for all of these new coaches and rookies, and especially you guys mentioned C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to be huge for them this year. Um but, you know, just I just don't it's, – it's kind of hard to predict what a short and offseason is going to mean in terms of rookie production and, you know, understanding these offenses and, you know, how – I guess you can kind of look back to that lockout season in 2011, um, whatever, whenever it was when you kind of had the short and offseason. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of sketchy, but I guess it ultimately comes down to the defense, how well the secondary is going to perform. Is this, are they going to be able to stop the run better this year? Um, how healthy is uh, Leighton Van Der Esch going to be? Uh, you know, I mean, it kind of comes down to those questions. So, I mean, this is probably a pass for me. I, if I had to, if I had to hit it, I probably would. I mean, I, I'm expecting this team to win ten games. I don't know. One thirty, I think it's. I don't like this line. I guess you guys are right. The value is is right, but um, 
it's going to come down to the defense. I know this offense is going to be a top five offense in the NFL this upcoming year. They're going to be they're going to be really good. It's going to come down to this defense, and it's going to come down to winning games in the fourth quarter. And let's see if Mike McCarthy can be the difference uh, in that compared to Jason Garrett. And uh, we move on, obviously, to the Detroit Lions. Uh, their line is sitting at six and a half, and when I went through their schedule when it first came out, I pegged them pretty much right at seven and nine. Um, I put them at six and six through the the first uh, you know for the first three quarters of the season, and their last four games are just pretty brutal with the Packers, Titans, Bucks, and Vikings to finish it off. And you're probably gonna need them to win one of those games to to hit this over. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go over because I think that a healthy Stafford for the whole season will will get you to that seven and nine um, record at, at the very least. Um, it doesn't mean I'm very high on this team, but uh, I think six and ten would be really quite disappointing and not really reflective of the talent that is on this team. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not good with this line. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to, like you said, with the Bears buying it down. I'd like to buy this one up and go over eight with the Lions, um, because I think it's going to be that type of year for them. I've made that clear through the podcast. I don't need to uh, beat a dead horse here, and we'll obviously get into more analysis and conversation about the Lions and and, and how we feel about them as this as this uh, you know season unravels, but. I'm confident in the team this year. Like you said, Clep, healthy Stafford. Um, really like what the offense did last year. Still obviously have more faith in Patricia and what he can do with the defense in, uh, in year three. So um, I'm, I'm excited, man, and, and I'm really looking forward to it. You know, and I think this is 100% a team that's going to win over six games. So that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's get on the uh, the overboat here. I, I think I would buy it up too, Lee. I think you know seven and a half. I go over seven and a half. This being an eight win team, I think that's kind of the floor that I see with Stafford. I think that you know the schedule. I think is going to be tough this year. I mean, from from when I glance at it, it looks like uh, it's going to be a little tough. But I mean, they last year's schedule was really tough too. And what Stafford proved to me in the first five games or whatever it was with that double offense. Um, you know, is that this team is going to be able to score points, and I think it's just going to come down to I, I expect the defense to play better with, you know, with Stafford being in there and them being competitive and in games. I think that should do wonders for the defense, and I think, you know, getting Jeff Akuda hopefully will, you know, I, I just hope that the, this is just a big prove-it year for this, for this coaching staff and this organization. I know that Stafford is going to be good, but it's going to come down to the defense. And, uh, you know, yeah, I think this is, this is going to be a really good year for the Lions. So I'm buying the over six and a half. I just want to add also in the division that the Packers and Bears just simply don't scare me like they have in the past. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think this division really comes down to how good are the Minnesota Vikings going to be with Kirk Cousins, and can the Lions take the crown? That's what I'm honestly <laughs> looking at right now. Because, like I said, maybe in a more belligerent way after the draft, Tommy, the Packers are a team that I just see that NFC championship last year before kickoff was the pinnacle right there. And we saw, I think that we kind of saw them get exposed. Obviously we've already spoken about the bears and we'll talk about the Vikings later, but I think Matthew Stafford is going to be the best quarterback in the division this year. And I think that's going to be a huge thing for the lions. He has to be, if they, if they want to achieve what I believe they can achieve. And I truly do think that Matthew Stafford right now has the capability to be better than Aaron Rodgers, to be better than Kirk cousins and to be better than either Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, obviously. So that's and, kind of where I stand. And just, just another add-on, we can move on to the Packers because they're, they're next in the list, but 
I'm, I'm really curious to see. I think kind of the X factor for this team is going to be DeAndre Swift. I'm really curious to see what he brings to the table. And they, they you know, use the 35th overall selection on him or whatever. Like, he needs to have an Alvin Kamara-esque, you know, 2017 year where you had Mark Ingram being, you know, I don't I don't know how it's going to work out with on Johnson. I mean, I think when on Johnson's healthy, he's a really good running back too. So I just want to see a dynamic offense, and I want to see a defense that I think at least, you know, will be able to, you know, hold ship. With you know, uh, with Stafford being in there and then being in every single game because of that. Yeah, I mean it's definitely an offense that lacks somewhat of an explosive element to it, um, and so DeAndre Swift hopefully maybe can bring a little bit of an X factor to the to the offense for sure. And I mean, let's do jump to the the Green Bay Packers who have a total of just flat nine. Uh, so this this could this could this this could push here, and I mean I would be more you know inclined to go with like a nine and seven season i mean i don't think that you can discount the fact that they went 13 and three last year and a lot of the same pieces are back um you know could there be more dysfunction between aaron Rodgers and matt lafleur this year yes um they didn't really do anything to get better yes but the with still having guys like aaron Rodgers and Devonte adams and uh, preston smith or, or zadarius smith on, on your defense you know, is that going to make you lose five more games? I mean, uh, maybe Lee thinks so. Yeah, I mean, you can look in the history books. If a team wins 13 games, they're way more likely to get knocked down five wins than if they win like nine or ten games. And I think that that's the case with the Green Bay Packers this year. I think that that 13-win season, I'm not going to just completely account it to luck, but I think it's highly, highly possible that they're a nine-win or eight-win team this year. Um I mean, Klepp, you were saying that that very same roster was going to get six wins last year. Where's that attitude? Where's that mentality? Yep. I mean, they had a terrible, yeah. terrible yeah. draft. That's uh, fair. Like, uh, I just am not with what the Packers are doing, and I'll, I'll carry the torch for, for the Lafleur down year, year this year. I think this is a seven-win team, uh, maybe eight wins, and I think maybe six wins. So uh, nine is a number that I'm totally good with betting even money on the under. Yeah, I am too. I don't know. I don't know if I see the floor quite as low as you, Lee, but I do think that um, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he's going to be able to keep them in in games. But with that being said, I'm looking at their schedule. I mean, listen to this for this first nine weeks that they have. They have a bye in week five: Minnesota, Detroit, New Orleans, Atlanta, Tampa, Houston, Minnesota, San Francisco. I mean, that's just like a brutal opening nine games for a team that I think isn't really necessarily an elite team. So. Who's um, going to be the I, starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers next season, week one? I would say Jordan Love if I had to bet money on it. So, I mean, that, that implies that this season is not going to go in a way which Aaron Rodgers will want to return next year, which makes me feel like this might be the year, Aaron Rodgers last year in Green Bay. And sure, maybe this is a Lions podcast and I want that to happen and I may be overreacting about it. But I think that there, there's something in the air in Green Bay and in, in, in the – People, the pundits can smell it, I think. And, you know, obviously for safety, Vegas has got to put a nine up there because this is a, like you said, Clep, this is one of the titans of the NFL last year. So, you know, you got to pay them their respect. They still have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think this is a team that can be surprising people, a lot of people this year with, with, uh, with their results. Hey, just like uh, you guys were a year early on the Arizona come up, exactly. I was a year early on the, on the Green Bay downfall, right? <laughs> Um, let's go to the, the L.A. Rams, who I think all of us might be on this under train here as well. Um, another team, too, when you just talk about drafts that I didn't really understand. 
they they need a lot of help along the trenches, especially on the offensive side, and, and going to get a guy like Cam Akers in the second round. I mean, I like him a lot as a player, but I, I think that you would have been fine rolling with some of your backup guys who have performed pretty well in the past, like you know Malcolm Brown, giving a guy Daryl Henderson, who you drafted last year on day two, uh, a chance. That was just kind of a confusing pick to me. And, and John Kelly, hey. <laughs> I, uh, I brushed his back plate as he ran for a punt return touchdown uh, junior year. Uh, um, you know, but uh, T- Terrell Lewis in the third round, the guy that none of us were that high oh. on either. To me, this is a team that's uh, kind of on the, on the down, downwards, downward trend here. I'm with you, Clap, 100%. I mean, none of us are Goff fans. Obviously, the Todd Gurley dominance era is over. Um, still got some good pieces on defense Two good pieces on defense, I guess I could say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously a team that we, you can make an argument is in the du- toughest division in football. We've already showed our hand, uh, all of us, on what we think about the Cardinals. And the 49ers and Seahawks are respectively both coming off playoff uh, dominant, dominant seasons that led to, you know, playoff wins and for the 49ers a Super Bowl appearance. So this is a Rams team that I think is going nowhere fast. Um, and I'd be more than happy to jump all over the under in this case. Uh, I think things could sneakily go from bad to worse for Jared Goff this year if this is a team that underperforms consistently, um, you know. And, and uh, per what you guys just said about the draft, I mean, they didn't really address that offensive line. I don't really expect that offensive line to get better. I think Andrew Whitworth will be solid when he's healthy, but, I mean, this is just, yeah, this is a – Wade Phillips is gone. This this is the cliff year for the Rams. I'm happy I, I already got my ticket when I was at, I believe – Minus 125 or minus 130. It's up to minus 150 now. Um, yeah, I just think this is a, this is going to be a down year for the Rams. And you think you know, the uniforms the, is why it changed? <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that a lot of a lot of uh, Joe Schmoes. I'm just hit that under after yeah. that uniform. I mean, I said the, you know the I got that ticket in about a week before those uniforms, and that that just made me feel better about the yeah, bet. You know, yeah. seeing those uniforms, um, and the, and this team doesn't have a first round pick this year too. So I think. I, Something that could be interesting, too, for that under Tommy is that potentially Rams might not even be playing in L.A. this year, depending on what goes on with with the government and what they allow for sports. Mm -hmm. They may have to relocate them to to even to Vegas, maybe, you know, have them play at UNLV or something like that and just could create a lot of problems for for those West Coast teams that are uh, in California. So very good point. Uh, should we should we move on here to the Minnesota Vikings, who uh, just like the Green Bay Packers are, are sitting at a total of just nine, and uh, I'm gonna hit over here and I mean potentially I guess you know tipping my hand for the NFC North divisional preview, but uh, barring some uh, unforeseen circumstances, this is probably my pick to win the NFC North this year. Uh, I just think the Vikings are, are pretty solid all around. I loved their draft. I mean, getting uh, Justin Jefferson to, to play in the slot. You know, while adding a guy like Jeff Gladney at, at corner, I thought it was just a, an unbelievable, you know, pairing to get at 22 and 25. And uh, overall, Kirk Cousins is is a solid player. You know, whether and I mean, he had kind of maybe got a little boost to his confidence after going into New Orleans and, and winning that playoff game last year. Uh, I just think that the Vikings are a really solid team with a really solid coach. Um, you know, you talk about all the the things this year that could be harder for first year coaches and first year quarterbacks to to really get things going and they just look at this team and I think they have a lot of people who have been there a long time and they have an established culture and I think I see this team being an easy double digit wins. Um, 
I would push back to that a little bit. I mean, I think this team is right now probably my favorite to win the division, but I think they're putting a lot of weight on the shoulders of their first two picks, Justin Jefferson and Jeff Gladney. I like Jeff Gladney just as much as anyone else, but um, he's immediately the best cornerback on their team, and he's going to be expected to guard the other team's best receiver probably week in and week out unless you want Mike Hughes to do that. So there's a big question mark in the secondary here. Uh, I think Harrison Smith is a good cornerstone player to have at safety, but other than that, I think this is a team that can be exposed with their uh, weak secondary. Um, we saw them kind of get exposed last year with their uh, secondary with Xavier Rhodes being back there, and they lost him. They lost Trey Waynes. They lost Mackenzie Alexander. So they kind of completely cleaned house and are trying to transition a whole new load of secondary players, young players, um, to transition into NFL starters. I just don't know if that's a, a great you know strategy for them to have. And then they really didn't do much to fine-tune their defensive line besides drafting Kenny Willekes and, and James Lynch, who are two guys I like a lot. But again, um, you know, they, they lost some pieces in the offseason. And, uh, you know, I, I, I shouldn't say too much about it because I don't think their defensive line is necessarily going to be that bad. But I just think there are some more questions with this team than, than people may be asking just because I think the division around them, people see a lot, you know, in a negative light. I still think there are questions on the offensive line with this team. Um, and again, just to touch on Justin Jefferson, they, he's replacing Stephon Diggs. So I like Justin Jefferson a lot, but I don't think he's as good as Stephon Diggs. So I think their pass-catching options are taking a step back uh, coming into this season. And, you know, they also lost their offensive coordinator. So we'll, we'll see, you know, how they adjust to all that. And I'm, again, a bit, as big a Kirk Cousins fan as probably anyone on this podcast, if not bigger. And he's done nothing but really show me that, He's a little bit more mediocre than I thought the past couple seasons, even with the win in New Orleans. So um, I'm not in love with this team, but I would probably lean over because I see them as a 9-10 win team. I guess I'm more uh, with Klepp here. I mean, this is uh, I'm really high on the Vikings this year to win this division. Um, I, I was looking around, and I saw that they, you know, the Packers, I think, are at plus 120 to win the division. The Vikings are at like plus 130. I think that's some pretty good value, too, just to win the division maybe over the win total. But I do think this is a team that I kind of see in the 10-win range. Probably I, I like them to, for double digits. Uh, and, you know, I was very critical of their secondary last year, too, but I don't see how it could get that much worse. I mean, I know you got younger players in there now. Um, but, you know, they have arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL with uh, Harrison Smith and then the breakout of Anthony Harris last year, who's playing on the franchise tag this year. Uh, I, I am a little bit worried about losing Everson Griffin, but, you know, Daniel Hunter and then the linebackers that they have with Barr and Kendricks, I still think this defense is going to be pretty darn good. And then on offense, um, I mean, Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, he's going to be able – I mean, Dalvin Cook, Madison, and Mike Boone. I mean, even if Dalvin Cook isn't healthy, they got a really good – Staple of running backs. I think their offensive line should continue to get better. It's nice. It's a nice young offensive line. Um, drafted Ezra Cleveland this year, so that's some nice depth. And you know, with Justin Jefferson, I do think you know he's. You know, I don't think he has to be Stephon Diggs in year one. And I think maybe his he kind of is more of an Adam Thielen type receiver anyway. And they can kind of you can play those guys in the slot and you can play them in the off and the on the outside. Really good route runners, and I think might be able to you know help Kirk Cousins out. Uh, maybe a little bit better. I think I think Jeff, Justin Jefferson might be a little bit better of a receiver for Kirk Cousins' skills, um, where, where Stephon Diggs was, you know, a really good route runner, but just a burn or two and, and really good deep threat. And um, I, I also hate to be the one to say it, but uh, Adam Thielen, I think, has played his best football. Hmm. What do you think? I mean, what do you think the chances are that Jefferson outperforms? I think Jefferson could end up being better. I think Thielen, he's had some injury issues last year. 
The depth at receiver isn't as exciting as I think it really should be. Olabasi Johnson or BC Johnson doesn't doesn't excite me, and the Taji Sharp signing is like a non. Irv Smith, in my man, opinion. come on. Irv Smith, yeah, sure. I mean, it just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence in terms of their aerial attack. You can, I, I think they're gonna they're gonna have a great run I game. They're gonna be able to move the to, football. They're gonna win games, but I just don't. I don't think Cousins Diggs was a big I, bailout for him. I think, and he doesn't have that anymore. Uh, no, I, think I that's agree. A big, that's a, I, that might be a big I, problem for them. Well, and I just think what you said about Dalvin Cook, I think if you're able to run the ball and you can kind of thrive off that play action, you kind of saw what the Rams were able to do with Gurley when he was sure. going. If, if Dalvin Cook is having, you know, yeah. a 90% of the season he had last year, they're still going to be able to run play action and I think throw the ball just because of the, you know, the run threat. Um, so that's yep. going to be their bread and butter and we can move on, but I think they should definitely be the clear favorite in the NFC North right now. Yeah, let's go to the New Orleans Saints, whose total is sitting at 10 and a half. Um, and this is, I think, a really good team, uh, really solid kind of in their starting positions all, all across the board. But uh, with Drew Brees, one year older, uh, hard division, the NFC South, first place schedule, they got to play uh, the Eagles and the Chiefs as well. For 11 and 5 is, is pretty heavy. I feel, I, I have a weird feeling kind of maybe the NFC South might beat up on, on themselves a little bit. And while you know, there's a lot of good teams in that division, I don't know if the winner, it, it may be you know, a 10 and 6 division winner. I'm with you 100%, Clap. I think this line is too high. I would definitely lean towards the under. Um, I don't think Drew Brees, uh, or, or uh, excuse me, Taysom Hill is a good uh, enough backup for Drew Brees. I think there's a... Jameis. Oh, Jameis. They, they, excuse me. I don't even think Jameis necessarily is a great option at backup. I think Bridgewater was a per, in a perfect situation for them, and they were kind of a pers- perfect situation for him at the time. Um, and I think that Drew Brees, you know, I was kind of off the Saints train last year. I was a little bit off on them, but then they kind of proved me right a tiny bit when they lost to the Vikings in the playoffs in a game they probably should have won. Um, And I think that, you know, I guess kind of similar to the Packers, we might see a little bit more of the same with a team that has a similar roster they did last year. Um, I don't think the floor is nearly as low, but I think this line is too high. And I love what you said, Clef, about this division kind of beating up on itself. I really don't think that there's necessarily a bad team in this division. So um, I think that this line is a little bit too high, and I see the Saints kind of coming down to earth a little bit this year. Yeah, I agree with you guys, too. Um, this was famously one of my mock bets last year was the Saints over 10.5, and, and I kind of had the same trepidation. But I think i got to go to the over just because I don't see this team being a 9-win team. Even if this division eats itself up, I think the floor is really a 10-win team. And I, and I think that we're kind of, we might be granting Tampa Bay a little well, bit more ten and than a half. maybe. I know. Well, I'm saying if I'm going to get beat, I, I really see this team not really missing too much of a beat. Um, I think they're too good to really – I mean, maybe they'll lose a game or two to Carolina or Atlanta. Um, I mean, and I guess Tampa. I just think that they're the clear – I think they're the clear best team in the NFC right now, I think, in my opinion. And I just think that this is going to be a double-digit win team, and I'm going to bet on them to go over 10. I'm going to bet them to be an 11 or 12 win team um, at the very least. Uh, and, and I think the Jameis Winston signing, it's a completely different style, but I think – I mean, he's going to have offensive weapons. They're going to be able to open it up, I think, if, if Drew Brees is indeed hurt, which may happen. So I, uh, I just think this team is too good, to be honest. And I, and I, would, and I would lean. I mean, it's probably a pass for me. I don't really think I'm going to touch it, but I would lean to the over of 10.5. Yeah, I Giants. New York Giants. The New York football Clep. Giants. Is Clep, is Clep out? Yeah. Clep. Yeah, there, he is. Oh, there he is. 
We're Sorry. on to the New York Giants uh, here. Wi-Fi here is bad. Um, let's go, yeah, let's go to the Giants. And, uh, I mean, this is a team that I'm just, I haven't been high on for, their, for the entirety of, uh, of this podcast. And uh, I'm still just really not uh, thrilled by what's going on there. Um, Joe Judge was a you know interesting choice for head coach. Jason Garrett now uh, at OC. You know you got to expect a nice little jump from Daniel Jones. I thought you know Andrew Thomas in terms of the position was the right pick at four, but uh, had other tackles that I liked better than him uh, for for the Giants to have. And uh, overall, just their defense still uh, I don't I mean see them as much better than they were last year. Um, especially now, I guess with you know the DeAndre Baker news doesn't doesn't help them at all. Um, I just think that this is a, a team that at least for this year too, just new head coach, um, still have a young quarterback. I, I I don't see them doing that well. And I mean to have their line at six and a half, I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean under. I think seven seven and nine would be uh, a very good start for for Joe Judge, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, Clep, um, I can't help but kind of lean in the same direction you're in. I really am trying to find um, a reason to inspire myself to believe in the Giants, but um, I just, I'm not going to start pretending like I'm a Daniel Jones fan just because he was better than I thought he would be. Um, I still, I think he's a good player, but I still think that, I don't think he's going to make the same jump um, from year one to year two that he did from college to year one, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, and I think, like you said, Clep, this defense, there's just simply too many questions on this defense for me to uh, believe that they're any better than, than, um, than a seven-win team. So I guess value-wise, it's interesting that, that, the, that over six and a half is on the plus side, but I, I would stay away from this one, and I think this is a, probably a six, five, six, or maybe seven-win team this year. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. Uh, the value at minus 150 isn't there, I think, to go under, but I, I would lean under 6.5 for this team. Um, you know, I don't have a huge qualm with the, the Andrew Thomas pick. I think, you know, you needed to get Not a tackle. You needed, just, you needed to secure that position, but in, but in doing that, um, you know, you kind of ignored this defense. It was awesome. They were able to get Xavier McKinney. I think he's going to be able to do wonders, I think, for more of that linebacking core, and, and it's kind of how it's designed to be, you know, a bunch of run stuffers like Blake Martinez. I think Xavier McKinney kind of does some things because what they have Julian Love and Jabril Peppers, I think they, he gives them some versatility on their back end. But, you know, the DeAndre Baker news is not good, and I never, I mean, I think Bradbury is a solid corner, but I don't know if he's an elite guy who, you know, is worth getting, you know, the $50 million or whatever he got. Um, I still think this defense is just going to be really bad, and it's going to fall on the offense, which... You know, I think has a lot of really nice pieces, and I think they have the best running back in the league, who I think is going to have a really nice year this year and kind of a bounce back year. Um, but you know, I don't really trust Jason Garrett uh, to do anything extraordinary with this offense. I think they'll be solid, they'll be good. I think they'll probably be a little bit better than they were last year. But overall, I think this is a team that is in the. They won four games last year. I think six wins. You know, like you guys said, seven is really the ceiling for this team. I think they're definitely in the process of improving, but I'm not going to over-exaggerate what I think about them just because of how great Saquon is. That's kind of what it comes down to, because I think Saquon can be incredible, but I just don't mm-hmm. think that everything else on their team leads me to believe that they're going to double their win total just because I mean, they have a new regime, kind of, you know? Look at, look at Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey had one of the best years of all totally. time last year yeah. in terms of all-purpose scrimmage yards, and, you know, Kyle Allen's his quarterback at the end of the day, and what, they, they're picking eighth and they won six games or whatever it was, so... Mm-hmm. 
you know, this this team has a lot of work to do, but I, I do tend to agree with you, Lee, that I think they are moving in, in uh, you know, a good direction. Let's talk about one of the other, I think, most interesting lines in the NFC, and that's the Eagles at nine and a half. And they're, you know, both minus 115 for the under or the over. And honestly, I'm, I have to lean under here just basically because I didn't like Jalen Rager at all in the pre-draft <laughs> process. And to take him in the first round, I thought it was a, a massive reach. Um, you draft Jalen Hurts, which, I mean, you can get into all sorts of discussions about whether that was the right decision to make or not. But I lean towards that it was the wrong decision to make. And it, at the very least, doesn't seem to help you too much in 2020 in terms of getting to a 10-6 and six season. I think if Jalen Hurts is playing football... Uh, for the Eagles this year, you're probably looking at, at I mean, under 10 wins. So um, this is a team that had its troubles last year but persevered through it. You know, they have a good quarterback in Wentz, good coach in Doug Peterson. Overall, though, just not overly excited about this team. So I would lean under. I'm all over the over here. This is by far my favorite team in the division, honestly. I think all things considered, this is a team that absolutely should be better than they were last year. Um, I'm not in love with Jalen Rager, but I kind of see him. Yeah, but Lee, I mean, you look at the receivers, and it's like uh, they were awful last year, and you're probably, I mean, Alshon Jeffrey's still very much up in the air, so it's like if you're going into the season with Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, like. Dude, they made uh, the playoffs last year, and Greg yeah. Ward was like their feature receiver. Yeah, but they, they like limped yeah, into it. Yeah, but I mean, I mean I, they're still in a, a, a kind of a lowly division, in my opinion. I've already said what I think about I know, the Cowboys. They brought in Darius Slay, who, whether we like him or not, or how he left or not, he's a, he's a top-end corner in the league, arguably an elite corner. A lot of people could make that argument. Um, so they improved their secondary, which was arguably the biggest spot of improvement on their defense, or spot of need on their defense. And then they bring in Jalen Rager, who I think is literally just a better version of Nelson Aguilar who can catch, who if Nelson Aguilar could be that player last year, they would be a much they would be a significantly better team. So I'm not as low on Jalen Rager as you are. I think that he Carson Wentz absolutely can deliver him the football and he can be a great player for them. And then I love Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz is an elite quarterback. I think he's I think he's by far the best quarterback in this division, honestly. I think he's much better than Dak. I think he's he I'm still on the Carson Wentz train. Um, they still have great tight ends. They have great offensive line. They have really, really good depth on their offensive line. So a lot about this team excites me. I think they have the best head coach in, this, in the division. So uh, the, I'm not going to put too much stock into the draft. I still think this is an Eagles team that's poised to uh, arguably be the one or two seed in the NFC playoff picture this year. Yeah, Lee, I'm actually lockstep with you here. Um, and I guess I'll just kind of reiterate some of the points that you made, and that's just what we saw with this team and how – I mean, I picked the same team to win the Super Bowl last year, and they it went the worst way it possibly could. And they almost beat Seattle with Josh McCown playing with one hamstring. I mean, I just think the 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 leader the leader <laughs> the leadership of this team, Howie Roseman. I mean, I disagree with their draft. I mean, Jalen Rager. I think you know I probably would have taken Justin Jefferson there, but they want a deep threat. I think Jalen Rager is a legit deep threat. I think he has legit track speed. I don't care what he ran. I mean, I think he's going to be a playmaker for this team and. We saw what Deshaun Jackson, I mean, it's at the very least, it's a Deshaun Jackson insurance policy, which I think would make them an 11-win team last year. I think the fact that they couldn't push the ball downfield with a legit deep threat last year was huge for, for Carson Wentz. And, and uh, another thing that I heard, too, was J.J. Ortega-Whiteside 
was hurt for all of last year and needed help going to the to the restroom uh, because he couldn't because he couldn't walk and was just playing. And I mean, it, that makes sense to me because I really liked Ortega Whiteside coming out of Stanford last year, and he looked like a shell of himself um, in year one. So, and then like you said, bringing in Slay. I mean, this this defense was the weak spot, a secondary especially, and. You know, bringing in Darius Slay, I think, is a bona fide number one corner. The the only cause of concern for me is the linebackers, and I just think that's a position where you can kind of get guys to overperform, and um, it's not, you know, having elite linebackers is awesome, but it's not, you know, I'd rather they took care of the secondary. Their defensive line is so good. Lee mentioned it with the offensive line. Say what you want about Jalen Rager, but if he's just able to, you know, be like a Miko Hardman for them and just make big plays. I just think that's valuable for the for their team, and I think that's kind of his floor. So they brought in your um, boy Marquise Goodwin, guys. Exactly. <laughs> Let's not forget that. That's, I like their strategy of just bringing speed to this team and just kind of trying to legitly help Carson once out. Who, you know, it looked like he had a bad year last year, but when you kind of read between the lines, he was awesome for them last year and was a complete gamer and really kept this team together. So. Um, I think they're the clear top team in the NFC East right now, and I would take the over of nine and a half. Uh, let's go to the San Francisco 49ers, who have their total sitting at ten and a half. And I'm going to lean over here. Just uh, I know that the 49ers, I mean, obviously disappointing loss in the Super Bowl, but I think Kyle Shanahan is, is a great coach. Um, you know, a lot of their, you know, I, you lost Brita, but a good amount of your team is returning. Mostert was really good in the playoffs, and you can kind of piece together a running back room. And when you look at, you know, adding a guy like Ayuk to that offense, I think is really going to help. And adding a guy like Kinlaw, you know, DeForest Buckner is a, is a great, great player, but Kinlaw was a dude I, I really loved in the pre-draft process and, and I think, you know, can, can do a lot of the same things that DeForest Buckner did, maybe not – this year, but but kind of going into the future, and the 49ers to me are just a team that's still going to be really strong. Um, and uh, obviously, Jimmy G doesn't maybe light up the stat sheet, but he kind of does what he's asked to within the confines of that offense. And I think I just think they're a really solid team, and in a division where I don't think the Rams will be that good, I don't think the Cardinals are quite there yet, and the Seahawks pretty much live and die with Russell Wilson. So the, the 49ers to me just kind of seem like the surest bet in that division, and ultimately, some teams got to win over 10 games. Yeah, I'm with you, Clep. I mean, I can totally see both sides of the argument on this one, but like you said, someone's got to be winning these games. I just said it about the Eagles. Um, I think the 49ers are another one of those teams where I would stay away from this line just because I don't like betting overs this high. But I'm not going to sit here and try to say that I don't think that this team is – I don't expect this team to win, you know, 11 games next year. I I think that – they really improved as a team. I'm not a huge Garoppolo fan, but I still think this offense is extremely dynamic. And even with the loss, like you said, of DeForest Buckner up front, um, I think they supplemented that talent really well. And they're going to continue to be kind of a threat as long as you know their offense is doing the things they're doing. And Richard Sherman can retain his level of play um, as, as, a, as a leader on that defense in the secondary. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you guys too. I mean, I would like, like what you said, Lee. It's kind of just a stay away, just because you don't want to bet it over this high. But I mean, I think San Francisco deserves to be the clear favorite in this division, and I think we saw that the, this team has a certain floor with Kyle Shanahan as a play caller, with the personnel that they have, and the way that they are able to run the ball. I think you know losing Breida is. I mean, I like Matt Breed a lot, despite, you know, his injury issues. But you, you're bringing in a guy like Jarek McKinnon, who hasn't played it down for you guys yet. You signed him, you know, three summers ago. He's torn his ACL two years in a row. Um, I think, you know, he's a guy who I think is a really dynamic player. And, you know, we just haven't seen him in two years. So we kind of forget about what 
he's able to bring to the table. And I just think this defense, even if the secondary isn't as good as it was last year, they're still going to be able to rush the passer, I think, with Bosa coming into year two. I think, you know, Kinlaw can be at least what DeForest, you know, 75% of what DeForest Buckner was. I think you kind of can't ask for a better replacement for that. And then getting a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who I think is a much better fit for this scheme than Emmanuel Sanders was and kind of is like an, another Debo Samuel, not as physical with his butt, with the ball in his hands, but as another guy who you just want to get the ball in his hands, throw some slants to operate that West Coast offense and let him make plays uh, after the catch. So I think this team is just set up to be a really strong competitive team again this year. Yeah, and maybe we can even switch over here to the, their division counterparts, the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, their total's at 9.5, and, and I think I'll just lean over here. I think it'll be close. Um, I mean, this is just a team, though. I mean, the last two years, they're, I know we haven't really liked their draft very much, but it's just hard for me to bet against Russell Wilson. It seems like he just sort of defies all odds, and I think you can even see expect a little bit more from DK Metcalf this year, and uh, I just I would lean over yeah, I think I honestly feel, you know, with, with the NFC, I think the NFC West uh, is going to have a, a lot of really good teams in it, whereas, like, you might see a little more losing records in a, in a division like the NFC uh, East. Um, and just I think that the, the NFC West is just a strong division, and I can see both the Niners and the Seahawks, once again, just having great seasons and being in the double-digit win category. Um, I totally get where you're coming from, Clep, and I'm off the Seahawks, man. I'm off them this year. I just simply can't. Yeah, I just fair. can't do it anymore. I, I don't. I don't agree with the way that they um, draft. I don't agree necessarily with the way that they call plays down the stretch. And I think that there's a reason why they have so little to show for um, you know all the talent that they've had come through their team, and obviously the incredible play of their of their quarterback Russell Wilson. And I just think that it's kind of gone, not from bad to worse, but just from. Uh, it's gone from where you, I think you, you, where you used to see them get away with it um, in some ways and, and Russell Wilson do his magic. You're, it's not like you're going to stop seeing that, but I just think the division around them is getting too good and their schedule is just, it's pretty hard this year, man. I, they, I, I know it's usually hard because they're usually a good team, but I'm just not really feeling the Seahawks right now. I'm not really a big Brian Schottenheimer fan. I'm not a huge fan of any of their running backs outside of DJ Dallas, who they got in the sixth round, I want to say, or maybe seventh. Um, and then there, he was fourth. Oh, well, yeah. I think he could be, a, you know, a, a, one of the better players in their backfield. But, you know, their defense doesn't, uh, doesn't inspire a ton of confidence in, in me. It's kind of a rally group, which, I, you know, I like. But I don't know if it's going to continue uh, to, to lead to success for, for the Seahawks in, in that division and in the NFC this year. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with both of you guys. I think that's what makes handicapping the Seahawks just a complete no for me every year in terms of like betting this line. This is a clear stay away for me, but I'm with Clep. I probably would have to lean to the over, and it's I'm going to lean to the over, but I literally agreed with everything you just said, Lee. Maybe I like Chris Carson a little bit more than you, but I just think despite the fact that this team just does – you know, I think Brian Schottenheimer is not a good play caller. I think that they leave a lot on leave a lot of meat on the bone. Uh, you know, every game and are in a lot of games that they should be winning. But ultimately, this team has proven year in and year out to just overachieve, and it's because of Russell Wilson. And I don't, you know, if Russell Wilson is healthy, I fully expect him to be an MVP candidate again this year. And I think this team is, you know, have a, has a chance to win this division just because they have Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and what he's able to do for their offense. And then if their defense can kind of just be what they've been since they haven't been the Legion of Boom, this is going to be a competitive team who's going to win. I think their floor is going to be probably eight wins. Um, so it is a stay away for me. But if I had to lean everywhere, I would take the plus money at plus 105 and go to the over. 
Yeah, I mean, but even too, just going over to Lee, like uh, this is one of the teams that kind of has one of the more uh, most fourth quarter comebacks. Like they they kind of win games by the by the skin of their teeth, and so would it be that shocking for it one season to kind of go the other way? Um, you know, not necessarily. So let's go on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, and their their win total is at nine and a half. And uh, I'm just going to go over here. I mean, I really like Bruce Arians. It's going to be, I don't think betting against Tom Brady is a, is a very good idea. I know there's a lot of new things going on, but I still think the defense is, is going to be improved. And it was a, you know, half-decent group last year, and Todd Bowles is, is a good coordinator. So uh, I think sticking at, at 9.5 is, is a good line, but I'm just going to go with the over just with the offensive weapons. And especially, you know, getting Tristan Wirfs to solidify that offensive line sort of puts it over the top for me just in terms of a comfort level with this team and, and their ability uh, to, to do good things this year. Yeah, even with all kind of, you know, the hype that the Buccaneers have been getting, usually you can read that early on and say, hey, maybe they're not going to meet these expectations because these expectations aren't really realistic. But I think with this team, they kind of are. Um, I'm kind of surprised that this isn't a bit higher to be honest, just because of the of the hype surrounding this team, but I'm all over the over here. I think that this is a 10 or 11 win team. Um, like you said, Klepp kind of echoing the Bruce Arians, really a huge fan of him. Like Byron Leftwich a lot, their offensive coordinator. I think if they do really well this year, he could be a sneaky head coaching candidate next year. Um, and I think that this is a Buccaneers team that is, you know, super, <laughs> talk about one year early, Super Bowl or bust. Um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and usually when you're Super Bowl or bust, you you got to win nine or ten games in the regular season. So, I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will succeed in doing so. This is an over. Yeah, this is an over for me too. Uh, I probably, you know, I, I mean, I probably would touch it. I don't really love minus one thirty, but I, I just can't bet against Tom Brady. The offensive weapons, uh, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Uh, you know, Gronk, O.J. Howard, and then this defense, I think, was sneakily really good, and then they added Antoine Winfield. So it's a defense that got better as the year went on. Todd Bull is a, is a fantastic you know, defensive leader, just got great infrastructure, had a really good draft. Uh, I'm with you guys. I'm all over the Bucks, um, And look for Chris Godwin to break Michael Thomas's reception record from last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on a team with Michael Evans, he's going to break that record. That's, yeah. For sure, man. He's going for 145. I don't know about 145. that. 145. I don't know about that. 145. Um, uh, let's go to the Washington Redskins, last team in the NFC here. Their win total is at five and a half. And uh, as much as I love Ron Rivera and things of that nature, I guess, I, I still got to lean under here. Uh, I just think even though you got Chase Young, probably the best player in the draft overall, um, this roster is, is pretty brutal. Um, the, the offensive line, you didn't really do much to, to add to it, uh, even with losing Trent Williams. Um, I, I don't know. I just wasn't uh, – I, I there's not too much to be excited about this team, really. I mean, the D-line, I think, can be really good. But, uh, you know, their secondary, it leaves a lot to be desired. Their linebackers leave a lot to be desired. And there's a big old question mark at the quarterback position. So I think this is, I think we're looking at the worst team in the NFL here. I think that the Washington Redskins will be drafting. Yeah, them and the Jags. I think the Washington Redskins will be drafting a quarterback in the top three picks of the NFL draft next year because their team is terrible and I have no faith in Dwayne Haskins. And his best weapon is Terry McLaurin, who... We all love, but I don't necessarily know how many wins that's going to get you in the NFL this year. 
Um, so I, I think a team like the Giants could feast on this team, honestly. Like, I, I just don't think the Redskins are. I think maybe they'll get one or maybe two division wins, but I think that's absolutely their ceiling, um, and they're going to get beaten up on the, with this schedule. I just don't think they have enough. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I might be a little higher on the Redskins. I kind of see them as the third seed in the, in the Giants model, but I still probably would go under five and a half. Um, I kind of, you know, I like their offensive weapons. I like, I love Terry McLaurin. I think he's a bona fide wide receiver one in the NFL. And I think uh, Antonio uh, Gibson, I think, is going to be a really exciting running back for this team and, a, you know, receiver and kind of the things that he can do. Uh, so I kind of, you know, I said that because I like what they're building. What, Clep, what you said about the defense, about the defensive line and their linebackers, I think, is true. I think the, this is going to be a nice, you know, plus year for this defense, but just going to be, you know, how long can they hold on with the quarterback and Dwayne Haskins, who I like, but... The offensive line is just the linchpin for me. I think if this team had a little bit more solid of an offensive line and gave Dwayne Haskins a little bit more time to operate uh, and find some of his weapons, this would be a team that I could expect to kind of be in the seven-win range. But uh, I just don't think Haskins is going to be doing well with an offensive line that's going to be, you know, kind of in shambles, I expect it. So I think this is another rebuilding year, and I agree with you, Lee. I think they're going to be taking a quarterback uh, in the 2021 draft. All that Dwayne Haskins love from all those people, I just... I still like him, but I just see him kind of like a, a Rosen Goff guy where, like, he, the mobility isn't there. If he doesn't have an offensive line, you know, it's not, not going to go well for him. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that wraps it up. Nice little, nice little conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>